This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Steelers, Titans, this Sunday in a really do-or-die kind of game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, you have to, have to, have to have this one. If you drop this one to the Titans and then have to go to Arrowhead the very next week, well, things are going to get late really early for you. We just you. saw what this, the Chiefs did outside of Arrowhead last night. And it was like a cobra attacking in the middle of the night where you were just – Oh, that's you know what? That, he's far enough away from our tent. We're fine. We can go to sleep. Let's put that fire out. And then <laughs> strikes. They put up like what, twenty-eight points in the fourth quarter, something and then like overtime. That. Something absurd. absurd like that. But the offense just exploded. Travis Kelsey just exploded. Um, good thing the Steelers are going to have an easy time guarding him when they play. And then right when you how's that matchup going to look? Take Kelsey out of the game. You just have Tyree Kill to worry about. So. But we got one game to win before we get to that point, and like we said, you, you have to win this game, just assuming you're probably going to lose the, that one at Arrowhead, and you really probably only have one loss left to give if you're the Steelers and you want to get into the playoffs. We talked about the defense stopping the Titans' offense in an earlier episode we did, so if you want to you know, sip on that tea, you might want to drop in to that episode before you get into this one. Talking about the Steelers' offense now, how do you put up points against this Titans team? And the first place I want to start actually kind of helps the defense out. And when the defense is so bad at stopping the run like it is, five yards per carry, worse than the NFL right now at that clip, a good way to help out that rush defense is to make it so the Titans need to pass the ball. How do you do that? You get out to early double-digit leads against them. Steelers have had times this year where they've gotten out to early leads, but it hasn't been that like fourteen to nothing. No, it's seven, been, seventeen to nothing. It's just been you scoring your first drive because you get the ball first and you're up seven nothing, and then that's it. So I want to see multiple scores before the Titans score. Make them have to pass the football. That's the best way, maybe, to help that rush defense. I think it out absolutely because is. there's just no way you can. Sell out, stack the box with eight, you'd still probably have five or ten yard plays ripped off against you every once in a while. So the best defense for the Titans rushing attack might be a good Steelers offense. Absolutely. <clears throat> We've we just talked about in a previous episode how how not great Ryan Tannehill has Tannehill has been this year, and that's due in large part to the absence of Derrick Henry. So if you put the Titans in a hole and force them to pass the ball, force Derrick Henry into these into a position of which he's not very comfortable playing in this year, that has to be a recipe for a win, right? Because right. They, they they are they will be, they will be forced to step away from their identity of running the ball, even though they don't have Derrick Henry, they have not stepped away from that mentality at all this year. It's it's been run first and then let Ryan Tannehill fill in the holes for you as the game goes on. But if you get into – if you force them into – and, Tom, I don't think it would take much, to be honest, a 10-point hole, a 13-point hole. I think that's kind of all you need uh, in order to get them to step away from that run game. 
I agree. I think that that's. It doesn't have to be twenty-one to nothing. Although there's part of me that doesn't think, have to be a, a huge three-score deficit. It can just be double digits at its minimum. I 10 think points. I think your uh, your logic's sound, but there's part of me that in the back of my head thinks that, even so that, that works thirty-one out of thirty-two times. But this is the one team in the NFL where Ray, can, Vrabel ran the ball against the Seahawks earlier in this year when he was down by like three touchdowns. Now it was Derrick Henry that he was sure. running the ball with. Maybe he has a little trepidation keeping with that running game down 13 to nothing or something like that if it's Foreman or Hilliard that he's handing the ball off to. So I like what you're saying, but there's just Plus, that fear I in think, the back of my head with Vrabel and the way these Titans commit to running. That game was, what, week two? Something like that. Week early, two, early, maybe early. Even September week three, football for yeah. sure. Very early on. We didn't know how bad the Seahawks' rushing defense was at the time. Or team in general, honestly. Right. I now, picked him to win the NFC West. Now, now in week 15, it's apparent to everyone how bad the Steelers' rush defense is. So even if you force them into that 13-point deficit, it's still, even though I'd like to say I think it could be enough, Mike Vrabel could just say, I'm going to run that damn ball. I don't care how, how many points I'm down by. I'm down by. I know I can put up points if I just put the ball on the ground. Now, with the Steelers, we've said all year long, run the football. That's the best way you can create offense. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Even when we've played teams like the Bengals, who have been really good against the run, you know, still run the ball, still try to run the ball. You've got to try to get Najee Harris touches. You've got to try to establish the run. It's the best way to make the game easier for Big Ben. It's the best way for you to have success gaining yards, putting points on the board is run the football. Well, for the first time in 15 weeks – I think I'm singing a different song heading into this football game. Number two rush defense in the entire land. And Danico Autry and Jeffrey Simmons, especially up front on that defensive line, are great players. Simmons is a great player. And I just don't know if it's worth it to just run into the teeth of this defense over and over and over and over again. And... They give up yardage through the air. They are 22nd against the pass. And a lot of wide receivers have had big games against Titans cornerbacks. So I know that there's been times in the past where teams have been abysmal against the pass, and we've still said focus on the run. This is one time when, like I said, I'm willing to flip, and I'm willing to hand the keys to Ben Roethlisberger. If you want to go 60-40, Passing the ball in this game, hell, if you want to go 70-30 passing the ball in this game, that would be okay with me. It's it's the best route, I think, to gaining yards against this defense is through the air. Here's the, here's where I agree with you, Tom. I think that that has to be your plan of attack, and I think Matt Canada is just drooling at the idea of having an excuse to pass that much. But that doesn't give you an excuse to not get Najee Harris involved. Not right. at all. I think you have to get him in the passing game for sure. I think you have to make him a factor in this game. My my trepidation with the pass heavy offense here is I'm cool with it as long as those targets aren't going to to Ray Ray McLeod or Anthony Miller. Right? I don't like Anthony Miller can have one target per game, that's cool with me. If anything more, I'm getting a little frustrated. Ray Ray McLeod the first time we saw it happen, it was, okay, maybe they're trying to switch it up. The second time it happened, I we said, 
I guess they're trying to go with this for a second week, and then it just happened again and again and again. Ray Ray McLeod is getting 10 targets slash 10 rushes, a combination per game at this point. And to be honest, it, it's frustrating because it's taking away targets and 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 carries that Najee Harris could be having. I don't understand. I, I get it's a di- like he's playing as the the four string wide receiver, but I'd rather the first string running back be getting those targets and be getting those end arounds or jet sweeps. Have have Najee Harris line up on the on the on the far sideline and then bring him around. Who cares? Why is there no creativity with him? I don't know. We how many times did you see within Le'Veon Bell era, Le'Veon Bell line up as a wide yeah, receiver? Yeah, all the time. Motion all in. the time. Well, we, we, to be fair, we've seen we've seen the most creative thing we've seen. I think is motion out of the backfield or motion into the backfield. But then the plays never really develop from there. How many? I know Mahomes threw this in the dirt last night, but that fourth down play. Oh my God! What was? I don't know why. It was he, the worst throw he's ever thrown. Maybe. Except maybe the interception he threw later was even worse than that. But. That play, my point was, the motion created number 17, I think it was Hardman. Hardman. He was open because of the motion. Right. And he was wide open because of that. I mean, that was a walk-in touchdown if Mahomes didn't just that was a, forget that was who he was like for a, a split Deshaun second. Jackson or Tyreek Hill where they just wait right at the goal line, waiting for the defender just to come over, and then they just literally just take one step and they're in. But you see what good creative offenses do to get their skill position players into these advantageous one-on-one or one-on-none, in that case, matchups. And I like that we have more motion. I don't want to sound like, well, I've been begging for this and you gave it to me, so I'm going to move the goalposts and say this now. I think that it's good that you're seeing a lot more of that pre-snap movement from the Steelers. But it now feels like it's just window dressing, which is good because we didn't even have window dressing before. But can we get some motion that actually creates some openings? And can we use Najee creatively out of the backfield, not just handing him the ball or throwing him a dump off on a check down? Like, can we get some creative screens going? Can we get some Najee motions to the right? Then he sprints back to the left and the snap comes while he's sprinting to the left. And that's an easy out route for a, a quick five yard hit, you know, like, Let's see some of the creativity, and I agree with you. Just because I'm sitting here calling for more of a passing attack against Tennessee, that doesn't mean I don't want number 22 to have 10, 12 touches in that passing game or at least targets up to that volume in that passing game because we talked about the Titans injury report on an earlier episode we did. Uh, Their inside linebacker. Uh, DJ Ford, I believe, is out of this game or potentially will be out. If he is going to play, he hasn't practiced all week, so he's dealing with an injury. Um, They don't have much as far as the linebacking core goes coverage-wise, and I think Najee can really exploit a lot of mismatches in not just this game but in every game in the NFL if you utilize him correctly. And I just don't know if I see him being utilized creatively enough from this offense and that's no, that's a huge problem not. he's certainly not and that's why i have the problem with the pass heavy offense mentality for this week is because i think it's going to not include Najee harris and i think Najee harris aside from deontay johnson is your best playmaker on offense uh, as a skill player right not just ben roethlisberger included in that conversation so 
you're limiting yourself essentially by saying, if I want to pass the ball here a lot, knowing how this offense operates, you're basically saying, I'm going to make this a Deontay Johnson. This is our guy, and you're going to know it's our guy, and it's just up to you whether you can stop him or not. We're not going to really get Najee involved. We'll get Pat involved a little bit. We'll, we'll try to throw the deep ball to Claypool, of course, but this could be a big day for Deontay Johnson, which I'm fine with. I think it is going to be a big day It's for just him. the fact that it doesn't need to be. You can use your other players. You don't have to be, right? Like, the problem is, Tom, is that the Steelers are trying to be creative with in the wrong ways. They're trying to incorporate Ray Ray McLeod into this offense. They're trying to do some pre-snap motion, but it's the wrong type of pre-snap motion. It's the wrong guys who you're putting in motion, who you're bringing into the into the um, sorry into the backfield or out of the backfield. You're not you're not using the right guys as a decoy or a possible just main target, right? You want to be. You want to keep the opposing defense on its feet. You don't know where the ball is going. If Najee Harris is in motion, everyone's going to say, oh, my God, what is Najee Harris going to do yeah, you here? Gotta, everybody will be pointing at him. It, it, if it it's creates Ray confusion. Ray McLeod, who is typically the guy who you bring in, or James Washington, who it's been a couple of times, the defense is going to say, okay, they're trying to mess with us. Just stay on your guys. Stay focused here. And that's why those plays haven't worked. So the frustration is valid because – the Steelers are trying to do too much with too little, and when they have too much, when they when they actually have the substance, they're neglecting it. So it's 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 going to be. I think it's going to be a frustrating day on offense once again on Sunday. Really? Yeah, I See, think so. I'm kind of going the opposite, man. I think they're going to put up points in this game. I I think Ben Roethlisberger. There's something. Now here's the there's something to a swan song. There's they, something they, to uh, staring down your final four games in the eye. They've put up points in the past couple of weeks, but we've seen where the points have come from. Ben Roethlisberger. In late in the game, it has not been. But why do you think that is? Do you think it's just some weird cosmic vibe that no, he picks up in the I fourth quarter? I think it's the incompetency of Matt Canada. In that it's now a no-huddle RPO kind of style offense where but ben, still ben has a lot of control. Go to it. They, they, they still say that it's 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 a it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's the no huddle is a result of game scenario where you it's a must need. It's not that we know it works and we want to start with it. It's well, just, let's look at the season. When you get now. into those into those positions of we need to score now, then we'll use it. Let's look at the season like it was one big game. And now you're entering the fourth quarter of that one big game. It's time to go no huddle for the majority. I completely of agree, game. but I don't think that's gonna happen. Well, I'm telling you it needs to happen. If they want to have you. success, if they want to have success against the Titans this week, if they want to have success against the Chiefs next week, I said that with bated breath. If they want to have success against the Browns and the Ravens in the following weeks, you got to start fast and you got to start with that no huddle. I mean, if they don't run it against the Titans this week, and it's like ten to three at halftime or six to nothing Tennessee at halftime. And then the Titans score a touchdown. It's like thirteen to nothing. And then fourth quarter comes, and the Steelers win the football game twenty-eight to twenty-four, or something crazy like that. If we see that play out, and I have to hear another post-game press conference from Ben Roethlisberger about how comfortable he is in the no huddle and how much he likes how the defense becomes basic when Despite you go no huddle, not using it until the very. I'm gonna end of the lose game. my flipping mind. I mean, it's just why. 
are you seeing something go so well and then and just be like, the well, we can end. only use that in that situation. Well, you know, that looks great. Maybe we should try that elsewhere. No, don't be an idiot. You can only use that when there's less than two minutes left in the fourth quarter and you're in absolute dire straits. That's, that's the only time you can tap into that that kind of plays and that kind of an offense. But, I mean, nothing else is working. And your slow starts are becoming more and more commonplace. It is just so blatantly obvious what you should at least try to do, and it will be extra frustrating to see them run the ball on first down against Tennessee and then get into the huddle and slow things down and take 15 seconds, 20 seconds off the play clock and then put some pre-snap motion in and then throw a ball that goes for like four yards and then get back into the huddle mm -hmm. and slow things down. Like It's like I said on our show that our friend Dale Ollie said the other week. If you're going to go three and out, you might as well go three and out doing something you're good at. I, I completely agree with Dale, but the problem with the Steelers is Dale, Matt Williamson, Jared Dulac, Mike Pursuta, you and I, Crowley, all, all of us will say the same thing week after week. You might as well do this. You might as well do that. And yet week after week, the Steelers neglect it. How is it possible that person after person, microphone after microphone, week after week, can see it so clearly, and yet for some reason the, the guys in the locker room cannot. Ego? I, I'm i just guessing. So, I have so no idea. So here's the thing is that you made the comment earlier this week, or maybe it was at the end of last week, when we did our episode right after the Vikings game, saying, do you think there's a little bit of an ego battle between... Ben Roethlisberger and Matt Canada, mainly Matt Canada, mainly yeah, Matt Canada. Yeah, that's what I said. I said that. No, I know. I think it's. But where does he get the nerve to have an ego? I don't know, but you've heard. I I got it with with Randy Feekner. Randy Feekner had an ego that was more annoying to me than the egos of Juju and Claypool in 2020. More annoying and than Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Browns in 2018, because. At least those guys had talent. Randy Feigner, we saw from the moment that, and it hurts to admit, but I think it's absolutely true. The moment Todd Haley left, the Pittsburgh offense changed. And that now the first some, season. Now some key pieces left with him, to be fair, like Brown and Bell. But but, but there was still a season when it was Randy Feigner in charge in 2017 after Todd Haley had left. 2017, he had Le'Veon Bell. He had Antonio Brown. And remember, that year, the Steelers were struggling. They lost against Chicago in that weird game. They were going to lose to the Packers, who were starting, God, what was Deshaun that kid's Kaiser. name? Deshaun Kaiser at home. Th that offense could really not get it going. It took a lot of fourth-quarter comeback efforts by that team. And I think it had a lot to do with the fact that it was Randy Figner, even though you had Antonio Brown. Even though you had Le'Veon Bell, Randy Fingers' ego was one of the more frustrating things I've had to deal with as a Steelers fan in my 26 years of life. Matt Canada has elevated himself in less than one year to that level because where does he get off thinking that I deserve to have this ego? What has he accomplished? Absolutely nothing. He's embarrassed himself week after week with this complete neglection of of 
the of, of plan A and plan B, and he's just going with his own plan. Two redemption stories I'm looking at this week. I'm looking at Pat Fryermuth, and I'm looking at Chase Claypool. And I'm looking at Fryermuth, and I know he's going to respond the right way just based on this short track record we've seen out of him so far this year. He took that play that Harrison Smith made at the end of the game to knock the ball free from him really hard. Ben Roethlisberger spoke about that constantly uh, after the game, throughout the week. You know, he had to go over to Fryermuth and say, you know, you keep your head up, man. Like, this is going to happen. You got to just – Try to move on, and you make the next one. That's Pat you make the, the next play you get. Who's going to make much bigger and much more impressive and much more significant catches in his career? And it's still going to be. Do you remember your rookie year when you couldn't no. make that? I think it could. No, it just that's that's the that's the mentality of a game player. That's the mentality of of a perfectionist like Pat Frymuth, where, yeah, you're perfect, you're perfect. But do you remember that moment when you weren't? <laughs> And then that drives him. That continues to get exactly. That's get the thing better. is that that's his motivation moving forward to make him b- make the better catches, to make him make those catches in bigger moments, to be able to make the combat catch against an all-pro type of safety mm-hmm. like Harrison Smith. But mm-hmm. again, no blame put on. on no, not there. at all. Anyone that blames Pat Firemuth for that that play doesn't just, know who Harrison Smith is. No. And honestly, there's probably some people out there in Steeler Nation that aren't aware of Harrison. Harrison Smith flies under the radar. Uh, I think a lot of people in Minnesota tend to because they're perpetually doomed to go eight and eight or seven and eight. Just nine. watch the play. And how fast he closes. Yeah. Like Ben said, when he threw it, Harrison Smith was way, way off of Fryermuth. The closing speed was unreal there. On the other side, though, the redemption story that I have very little faith in him bouncing back from. I don't know. I Do don't you know, know who I'm going to say? I don't know Could why. Could you take a wild guess? I don't know why you're even giving him little faith. You have no faith. I don't know if I have any. It's funny. So what 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 indication has he given you this week when he's had time to process what happened on he's Thursday? He's had time night? to talk. He's had he's had ten days, Tom, between Minnesota and eventually coming this Sunday against Tennessee to understand the flaws in his ways, and he's made zero comments on the matter. Last night I was texting with some friends and I was like how are they going to cover Kelsey? And then when you take care of Kelsey, how are they going to cover Hill? And then my one friend texted back and said, I wish other teams said, how are we going to deal with Claypool? Or I'm worried about what Claypool's going to do. And I texted back, yeah, we say that, though. We sit here and say we're worried about Claypool. We have to worry about what Claypool's going to do. You're the most penalized wide receiver in the NFL. A lot of that is unsportsmanlike after the whistle type of stuff. It's like Ryan Clark said. He is as emotionally and mentally immature as he is physically gifted and mature. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy's got the build and body to be a elite receiver in the NFL. He's got to get that mental state to where it needs to be. Tomlin in his press conference said, you know, this is part of the maturation process, and this is part of what young players have to go through. But he also added on the fact that Claypool's got to hit this into acceleration mode fast. He's got to start to hit that maturation in high gear because you're going to be a third-year veteran in the NFL in just a couple months here when the season officially ends. I mean, it's, t- it's time now to get real serious and to start treating this more like a job than it is. And let me, don't get me wrong. Jobs are fun. Jobs can be fun. We have fun at we our job. We have a great job. 
but you have to treat it like a job when it needs to be treated like a job. How many times last night you saw Keenan Allen on a big first down? He runs right to the hash spot, puts it down, gets ready to go. Tyreek Hill last night, when the Chiefs were driving down to tie the game in regulation, the two-minute warning hit. He was scrambling to set the ball at the hash mark even though the clock had stopped at the two-minute warning. That doesn't matter. In his head, all he knows is we got to get as much time as we can. i got to set this ball so we can score. He didn't even need to. And Tyreek Hill, someone who's known to have a penchant for the dramatic and the celebration, is rushing to spot the ball. These are how professionals act. These are how established stars act. They don't celebrate when they get a first down. They celebrate when they hit in the end zone and tie the game. That's when you hit the celebration. It was just striking to me to see Hill act like that when the clock was already stopped, too. Like, just it's that just, mindset. It's, it's professionalism. And it shows why they've won Super Bowl in it the past show, couple of years. Al it also shows why he's considered among, what, the top three best, if not the best wide receiver in the league. Yeah. Chase Claypool, yeah, you were great last year, but people weren't saying you were better than Justin Jefferson. People surely aren't saying that now. Uh, from your rookie wide receiver class, people aren't saying you're anywhere near the top uh, class of of elite receivers this year. And not to mention the uh, class that came in after you. There's a guy in Cincinnati who, who I'd definitely take right now. A hundred times out of a hundred. There's a guy in Miami I'd probably take, and Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle's been a really good wide Devontae receiver. Smith this year. Been bad Smith hasn't been bad in Philadelphia either. You know what? So like, you have to wake up now, or else you'll start to, the 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 wide receiver machine has never been better. They pump receivers into this league like crazy now. If you don't want to get lost in the middle of the pack, you got to step up now. If you if you want to be out of a job like that, or if you want to be on the Jacksonville third string Jaguars, guy, or a, if you want to be on the Jaguar, just be traded. A slot receiver in Houston, like that. That's where you're leading yourself toward. Is just bad teams with little money, and I, I'd like to reflect back to 2019, right? Juju came into this league as a rookie in 2017. He had, a, at the time, we thought a very good mentor in Antonio Brown. <laughs> but at least he had someone who could exemplify what it meant to be an athlete in this league, a professional in the National Football And I think what Juju did take level. away from him is when the clock starts and the game's going game's on, on, it's time. Like, it's game's showtime. On. And the, but it also, it sh he, he exemplified... Preparation, right? We yeah. we know that Always no one prepared work, right? yep. harder, no one practiced harder than Antonio Brown, and when it it became to when it got to Juju's third year in the league, he he had no longer had Antonio Brown on the team. It was Juju, Deontay Johnson, and James Washington as a receiving court. No Chase Claypool yet, and the problem was that James Wa or sorry Juju got hurt throughout that year, so you really couldn't look to him as that leader. Chase Claypool, now, I mean, you're the youngest guy, but you're the most prototypical wide receiver one that we have, the Steelers have in this locker room. Even though you're younger than James, even though you're younger than Deontay, you need to be the guy to step up and say, I can be the leader I'm here. the guy. I'm a guy. And you have shown nothing to prove that. I mean, think back to last year, right? This was a low point, I think, for Chase Claypool. When he said... The greatest thing Juju Smith-Schuster ever taught me was how to promote my brand. My brand, my social media brand. I mean, when we heard that, we our, our jaws were on the ground. That's not the right thing to say after. No. That was right after the Browns game, I think that too, was right, right before. Right before the Browns yeah. game. 
Either way, terrible look. Whatever side of the fence it came on, terrible look. Right. That's that's either entering the postseason or after a big loss. Not good. Not and, good at all. And now and now you have this season where again, it's just a complete it, it's a complete it's lack circus of, kinda. It's, it's kind a, of a circus. And not to the extent that when A B was here, but it's still a circus in its own right and the production's not there like it was last year mm-hmm. for Chase Claypool. Not not nearly as much. And this is with I think a slightly improved Ben Roethlisberger compared to last year. I think year. Ben Roethlisberger has been playing better this year than he has last year, especially lately. Mm-hmm. Down the stretch. So you better. have every reason to be better, but there's no accountability for you whatsoever. Nope, and you're going to need him against the Titans. You know, part Definitely. of me wanted to bench him, but you can't bench him because you need to win these games, and maybe if Juju was healthy, you could entertain that, but you're already thin at that position, so number 11's got to get a hat, and he's got to play, so hopefully he can keep his head on straight and play well and make some big catches for the Steelers in this one. That'll if do the it. game comes down to a clo- like it's close at the end, do you want Chase Claypool getting the ball? Deontay or Firemuth. I just don't know if I want Claypool getting the ball because of what could happen last just, week. And Najee, too. There's three guys mm-hmm. that just gave you in front of Chase Claypool. In front of him, yeah. That'll do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. Steelers Titans, 1 p.m. at Heinz Field. If you do everything we told you offensively in this episode and defensively in a you'll previous win. episode, you'll win going away. That's Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Offerman. We'll talk to you next time on the Steelers Standard.